0: Okay, so let's talk about the result of contact between the indigenous and the Europeans. Now, for the indigenous, this is going to be mass death and genocide. By 1600, nearly 90% of Native, the Native American uh, population is going to be gone. The main reason, as we've discussed, is going to be European diseases, mainly smallpox, but there's also going to be yellow fever and malaria. Uh, diseases are going to be the most destructive by far. Uh, Central America and the Caribbean population in 1519-ish was around 25 million. Uh, come 1605, not even 100 years later, there were only 1 million remaining. So, you know, obviously complete and utter devastation of a culture. Now, the European impact directly on the culture. So, you're going to end up with these great plains tribes like the apache the blackfoot and the sioux they're going to be transformed by the use of horses like we talked about in class horses were not a thing here in in north america they were brought over by the europeans Uh, a lot of them were brought over by the spanish they're also going to bring over cattle and swine you know pigs that are going to provide a new major food source there's also going to be another issue though with the introduction of firearms. And this is gonna intensify warfare between the other indigenous tribes, and this is gonna lead to more depopulation in certain areas, especially the Eastern Woodland natives. Now for the Europeans. For the first time in human history, the Europeans are gonna create a global empire. Because remember, prior to Columbus getting lost. Um, nobody really knew that there was a North and South America. They didn't realize that there was these two massive continents just sitting here and chilling. You're also going to get an explosion of capitalism. So this gets into the commercial revolution. Now this wealth is going to be generated by the mining of gold and silver. And this is going to result in a shift in Europe from a feudalism to capitalism as a result of all these joint ventures in order to extract this wealth from the quote-unquote new world. So those joint stock companies that we discussed before. This is also going to be a new change in diet for the Europeans. Corn, beans, tomatoes, and potatoes are going to lead to an improved diet. An improved diet leaves leads to a higher mortality. This gives you more population and it gives you a bigger push for immigration because the more population you have back at, back at home, especially over in areas like uh, England, Ireland, you know, these islands, people are going to have to move. They're going to have to leave. Uh, we're also going to see stimulants that are going to come out like coffee and cocoa and tobacco are all going to come out of the new world. So you have the Columbian Exchange. So from the New World to Europe, you have diseases like syphilis, which we talked about, Uh, your plants, potatoes, corn, tomatoes, uh, even things like pineapple, vanilla, chocolate. All of that's going to come from the Americas and be taken over to Europe. One of the main animals that was not over in Europe before was turkeys. And then you're going to get gold and silver that is going to make that uh, usually two-month travel from the Americas to Europe. Now, coming the other way, they're going to bring in more diseases like smallpox, uh, the bubonic plague, even influenza, typhus. Those things weren't here before Europeans brought them overseas. They're also are going to transplant things like wheat, sugar. Rice, coffee, all those are going to be transplanted, but they're going to grow much better here, especially things like uh, coffee and sugar, which we talked about the plantations in South America, which, you know, led to massive African slavery. And then animals, they're going to bring over horses, cows, pigs, sheep, goats, chickens, those things weren't here. Okay, so the relations between Europeans and and the uh, American Natives in North America, starting with New France. Now, of the European powers we discussed, the French were less aggressive, but they're going to be the most successful in creating an actual trading relationship with Native Americans. English settlers sought to either remove or exterminate Native Americans instead of actually trying to trade or work with them, you know, be collaborative or cooperative. Uh, the Spanish, they just wanted to Christianize Natives and use them for forced labor. So again, gay French. Uh, the French became what was considered to be the great gift givers, which was the key to this trade relationship with the Native Americans who based their Intertribal relationships on gift giving uh, during, you know, around the late 17th century is when France is really going to be a part of this. For most Native American groups, for intertribal dealings, trade was not seen as a transaction or a contract. It was seen as a continuing process. So when one group stopped trading with another, it was basically like declaring war. You know, you've broken that relationship. Uh, the beaver trade is going to lead to more exploration of North America. This was in heavy demand for fur in European fashion. This is why it was so valuable. You know, it was a, uh, a status. It was if you had the, the beaver pelt and, and whatnot, you had the money, you had, you had the prestige. All right, Native Americans are also going to gain firearms, uh, alcohol, which was a detriment to their entire culture, um, pots, glass beads. There are also going to be the curros de bois, and that, for those of you who are writing this down, is C-O-U-R-E-U-R-S, D-E, D-E and then bois, B-O-I-S. And that basically means Runners of the Woods. And these are going to be the uh, rough frontiersmen who are trying to tap into that lucrative fur trade, that that beaver trade. Uh, You have the voyageurs, and these are the French seamen. They're also going to befriend and recruit natives into the fur trade. Again, this is a cooperative or collaborative working, instead of a, hey, I'm going to take you over. Uh, French expansion into the Mississippi Valley is going to result in trade relations with the Southeast natives. Then you have the Jesuits, and these are Catholic missionaries that were trying to convert natives and to save them from the fur trappers. Uh, They sought conversion through example rather than force, so that that was a good thing for them. Uh, Some were actually brutally killed by Native Americans, although in the eyes of the natives, the Jesuits held up best to torture and were more respected than the European groups. Uh, they also played a vital role as explorers and geographers, as well as as translators, and uh, they also very, kept pretty good records. A lot of the Frenchmen in New France would marry into the Native American culture. They would marry the Native American women, and they would cement these ties between the two countries as well as their cultures. These children of French or Sometimes British men and these American, uh, these Native American women were called the Matisse, and that's M E T I S. Now, the diplomacy with Native Americans. So, the French made friends with the Algonquins and the Hurons, and this basically ensured the survival of Quebec. The Iroquois League in upstate New York prevented the French from spreading south into New York and parts of the Ohio Valley. Now, the impact of the French and the British on the Eastern Woodlands, excuse me, Woodlands natives, uh, obviously the natives were decimated by disease. You end up with that gun warfare and rampant alcoholism. Um, There's actually a gene, I believe, for Native Americans that does not allow them to be able to tolerate alcohol like, say, Europeans. So because of all of this, a lot of the Native Americans are going to view any kind of contact at all with Europeans as dangerous. These European weapons are going to intensify this warfare, especially in the eastern woodlands that we talked about earlier that was kind of decimated by this. Uh, This is going to really be in the last three decades of the the, uh, 17th century. This is going to result in a temporary depopulation of the Ohio Valley as a result of what was called the Beaver Wars, where the Iroquois, who were allied with the English and the Dutch, waged war on the Huron and the Algonquin tribes. Now, we talked about these Morning wars a little bit. There's my cap. Uh, the Iroquois would attack neighboring tribes to replace people lost due to war or disease or, more often than not, to avenge the loss of husbands. You know, we use that... Example of Carson and Page there. <clears throat> Later during King William's War, and this is going to be in 1697, the French armed the Hurons and the Algonquins and the Iroquois were forced into neutrality. Uh, the Iroquois are going to turn to diplomacy with the Europeans after 1700. Now by the 1760s, natives in the, the region agreed not to kill each other, so we went through this period of revitalization where... The natives hoped that banding together and eliminating alcohol could revitalize their life and protect them against uh, European invaders. Now, from 1721 to 1763, we have the Chickasaw Wars. And during this, France is going to struggle to maintain maintain control of Louisiana in the 18th century, so the late 1700s, the, well, mid-1700s. The, this conflict is going to pit the French who are allied with the Choctaws against the British-supported Chickasaws in northern Mississippi and western Tennessee. And the Chickasaws will prevent France from dominating the region. So now on to New Spain. So we went over to New France. Now let's look at New Spain. And this is going to include the Pueblo natives in the American Southwest Uh specifically with conversion and exploitation. So you've got Juan de Ornate or Ornette. Uh, He will establish New Mexico around 1598. The Spanish authorities will instruct him to be less harsh with the natives than, you know, his predecessors, Cortez and Pizarro had been. But nonetheless, there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of cruelty. Uh, In July of that same year, or not, uh, will demand that the Pueblo chiefs swear allegiance to Spain and, of course, con- thir- you know, convert to Catholicism. But, you know, for the most part, they're not really going to want to do that. Uh, he's also going to retaliate against Pueblo natives at uh, Acama by killing 1,000 and enslaving 500. And those who were enslaved, male captives, each had a, uh, they each had a foot cut off basically, so they couldn't run away. Uh, because of this extreme cruelty, he was removed from power in, in 1609. The Pueblo submitted to Sma- so the Spanish demands for labor and food, um, especially during drought conditions, because uh, what what else could you do? Uh, Santa Fe became the capital in 1610, and oddly enough, the governor's mansion remains the oldest public building in the U.S. today, so it's it's still there hanging out. Then you have the encomienda system, that's E-N-C-O-M-I-E-N-D-A. This has to do with Native Americans being forced to do unpaid labor to build roads and buildings and, you know, other infrastructure within towns. The Pueblo villages were required to pay tribute to Spanish leaders because, remember, they were on that third tier of the CASA system. Now, the Spanish sought to forcibly Christianize Native Americans The Franciscans founded the mission system in New Mexico around the 17th century, and later it would be in California and Texas in the 17th and 18th. Uh, They forbid the practice of any kind of Native American religion, and these practices were drove underground. They continued it, but if they were caught, you know, there would be harsh punishments. Uh, The droughts and the high mortality rate among the Native Americans completely undermined their faith in any kind of Christianity. Uh, Tucson in modern Arizona was established as a Spanish outpost in 1701 and in Texas in 1716 a mission system was established and this is going to include San Antonio and later the Alamo. Over in California, Spain became concerned about the British and Russian expansion in northwestern America after 1763 and sought to set settle Alta, California to effectively control the region. Father Junipero Serra And that's J-U-N-I-P-E-R-O, last name S-E-R-R-A, founded the first mission in San Diego in 1769. Twenty missions would follow after. You would get four presidos, which are military bases, and they would protect the missions. The El Camino Real uh, Real is going to connect those missions. The Spanish mission architecture came to influence the buildings of a lot of the schools and homes and your public buildings throughout California's history. Your vaqueros, and these are the horsemen and the cattle her- herders that are actually from Spanish Mexico, would first arrive in 1769. So if they're from Spanish Mexico, they would be that second-tier caste that we discussed. Uh, They're going to work on numerous ranches in the region, and this is going to transmit the cowboy culture that eventually would become the foundation of the American cowboy. These These cultural traits, like the corridos, or the Spanish and Mexican songs and their ballads, are going to be blended with other cultural influences in the Southwest. Now, you have that intermarriage that's going to create a distinctive Latin American culture of, as we discussed, mestizos, which were Native American and Spanish children. And, you know, that caste system is going to emerge in New Mexico, similar to what existed in Mexico, the Caribbean, and South America. So it just continued up north. In 1680, we're going to get the Pueblo Revolt, also known as the Pope's Rebellion in Santa Fe, New Mexico. The Pueblo Rebellion against Spanish rule in New Mexico. Sorry, the the pueblo rebelled—not rebellion. They're going to against go against the Spanish in New Mexico, and they're going to expel them for over ten years. They're going to end up killing half the Spanish clergy and about 300 settlers. three hundred settlers—three, three to four hundred. <clears throat> now, the causes for this rebellion: there was a famine in 1666, and this is going to cause a lot of suffering, especially among the natives, because if there is a drought, they're going to—or a famine which, you know, famines and droughts, they go hand in hand. If this were to happen, they're going to immediately take the food and the water from the Native Americans and give it to, you know, the mestizos or the uh, Spanish-born. The Spanish authorities are going to punish the Pueblos for backsliding from Christianity to Native religions after major major epidemics are going to wipe out Pueblo villages because, you know, it kind of undermines that whole idea of Christianity for them. The Pueblos are also going to be attacked by the Apache, or the Apache, and the Navajo tribes who were retaliating against Spanish aggression against their people. So it wasn't necessarily against the Pueblo, it was more against the Spanish, but since they were all interlinked, you know. The Spanish authorities are eventually going to regain control in the early 1690s, but there will be another full-scale revolt in 1696, so, you know, six years later. Spanish, the Spanish authorities would end up being forced to compromise on the issue of religion, so your Native Americans are now allowed to practice Indigenous beliefs so long as they attended Catholic Mass. So it's like you can do what you're wanting to. You don't actually have to believe, but you got to show up to church. Uh, as in Latin America, Native Americans in the Southwest are going to develop a hybrid of Catholic and Indigenous religions, uh, their belief system, and their practices. Now, Albuquerque was founded in 1706 by Spanish soldiers, but did not employ the encomita system, which is a good thing. Uh, in, the Native American religion was tolerated as long as they attended Catholic church, just like, you know, before. Spain introduced horses and sheep, which transformed the region economically, and the Spanish eventually introduced schools, hospitals, and the printing press. But... Again, because of the harshness, the cruelty, because of the disease, nearly ninety percent of the Pueblo population died between fifteen fifty and sixteen eighty. All right. So the English colonies. So in their case, it was removal or extermination. So the Pilgrims in Plymouth Bay established good relations with Chief Chief Massasoit, M a s s a s -S 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 o i t. of the Wampanoags. Uh, Squanto will serve as a, an effective intermediary. Then you have the Wampanoags basically taking pity on the pilgrims. Uh, they're going to teach them how to grow and how to find food. The pilgrims will end up purchasing land from the Wampanoags for the creation of Plymouth Plantation. You're going to end up with the first Thanksgiving that was will be held in 1621 between the Wampanoags and the pilgrims. Uh, peace between the The two groups lasted for 54 years. So it's like, well, what went wrong? The word greed. Uh, Puritans in Massachusetts Bay Colony and other New England colonies established praying towns. So Puritans tried the conversion of Native Americans and the cultural assimilation. So they would have to have the, you know, European-style clothing. And uh, that would be the changing of the gender roles from 1646 to 1675-ish. Over a dozen settlements are going to be established, and several of the Native Americans will actually convert. Now, after King Philip's War, which we discussed earlier this week, I believe, or maybe earlier last week, <clears throat> a few remained intact with a degree of autonomy and religious and educational organization. Then there is the Peacock War, which I told you we get into a little bit more, just like we'll get into the King Philip's War just a little bit more. Uh, The Peacock War was in the 1630s, and there was an alliance of the New England colonies with the Narangaset and the Mohegan tribes. They are going to destroy the Peacock tribe after an English captain had been killed. English settlers resorted often to killing Native American women and children when they couldn't catch or subdue the warriors. The New England Confederation of 1643 is going to be created by the New England colonies for collective security against Native Americans. So this is the Puritan response to the Peacock War. And this is going to be effective in defeating Medicom in King Philip's War. In King Philip's War, it happened in the 1670s. These are going to be the Wampanoags, they're going to use the English tactic of attacking, attacking innocent civilians and destroying Puritan villages. Now, the whole cause of this was because back in 1621, there was a peace agreement with Plymouth, and it no longer seemed to protect the Wampanoags from the English encroachment. They lost lands, and there were being, these lands were being sold by Puritans to rival Christian tribes, these praying Indians. Uh, per capita, it was the bloodiest war In American history. Their leader was Chief Medicom. After the defeat of his forces, this is going to represent the end of any kind of significant Native American influence in New England. This war was fought without any support from England, resulting in an increasingly separate identity among New England uh, colonials that were distant from the British subjects. In Pennsylvania, we get the Quakers, and the Quakers were pretty much pacifists. They had really good relations with the uh, Native Americans initially. In Chesapeake, which is modern-day Virginia and Maryland, so you had in Jamestown, you had John Smith establish tenu- uh, tenuous relations, which we discussed in class, with the Powhattans. Uh, the Powhatans helped the Jamestown settlers with food. There was also a marriage between the chief of the Powhattans his uh, daughter Pocahontas, and the, uh, one of the settlers, John John Rolfe, and this was to create a peace. It did temporarily, but obviously it didn't last. The Virginia Colony took more of the Powhatan land to grow tobacco, and that's going to lead to the Anglo-Powhatan Wars that's going to run for a little over 30 years from 1610 to 1646. This is going to lead to the Powhatans' eventual removal from eastern Virginia. Bacon's Rebellion in the 18, or sorry 1670s is going to result in violence against Native Americans on the frontier. In the Carolinas, you've got the, the Catawba Nation, They're going to foster good relations with the early colonials and eventually ally with the U.S. during the American Revolution. The Tuscarora resistance in 1711 is going to fail, and they're going to move north to become the sixth nation in the Iroquois Confederacy. And the Yamasee will lead a rebellion in 1715 against the advancing settlers and the corrupt traders from Charleston who captured and sold natives into slavery in the Barbados. France's defeat in the French and Indian War that ran from 1754 to 1763 is gonna mean that the English settlers would aggressively move into the Native American lands and north the North American interior now. All right, so the Dutch in the 17th century, the New Netherlands. Everything's new, in case you haven't noticed. The Dutch East India Company is going to establish the New Netherlands along the Hudson River Valley in New York, and they're going to establish a fur trade with the Iroquois. Peter Minuit is going to purchase Manhattan from local Native Americans to serve as a defensive fortress. Eventually, unregulated trade resulted in violent wars between the Dutch and coastal Native Americans. African slaves will adapt Culturally and linguistically, to life in the Western Hemisphere. Now, their culture of folk tales and history, the religious practices—they were all passed along through oral traditions. They had other cultural elements like music and dance, and these are going to influence the emergence of new cultural developments in the New World. There was some intermarriage between Africans and Native Americans, and, but and less commonly, uh, African and white. The maroon communities, and it's, it's spelled just like the color, are going to emerge in the Caribbean and parts of Brazil. Some slaves would escape bondage and they would flee to join indigenous tribes or create um, autonomous communities, you know, off on their own. Uh, the maroon communities were eventually displaced on smaller Caribbean islands but managed to survive on larger islands such as Haiti, uh, Cuba, and Puerto Rico. All right, so this ends our first contact. You will be getting your terms to know the following week, this coming week, as well as your essay questions. So will be looking for those on Google soon.